Welcome into the Train with the Best podcast. I'm Craig Hoffman with Chris Gores. Chris is on the phone today as he is driving back from Northern Virginia to Richmond. Uh, but the crux of the conversation, he was home in Richmond, uh, so we have a little better audio quality for our conversation with Meg Young. It's really an incredible conversation, Chris, about some of the stuff that she's seen and and what she's hearing from her friends on the ground in San Antonio uh, in regards to what happened with the weight rooms and uh, to quote Mark Emmert, the exercise rooms at the NCAA women's basketball tournament. <laughs> That's right. I mean, like these are, these are people who don't care about uh, exercise rooms anyway. So like <laughs> conditioning is kind of like, it's kind of the forgotten thing that everybody acknowledges they need, but like always forget to budget it in there or forget to make it a priority. And then, you combine that with the fact that women's sports overall is not treated the same way as men. So you have something that's neglected kind of anyway by the Mark, the Mark Emmerts of the world. And then, and then something, and then combine that with uh, the way that women are treated and that's what you get. Yep. Uh, and Meg is, so good on this on, on not just a micro level but kind of a macro level uh, Meg uh, is previously a strength coach at both Baylor and Auburn she's currently with Chicago Red Stars in the NWSL she is one of the smartest people we know in this industry uh, beyond uh, just as a coach herself but she's a great friend of the pod and, and we were messaging last week when this all started happening and I immediately was like do you want to come on the pod and talk about this she said absolutely we scheduled it we talked uh, Sunday night and so now that you're hearing this at least on Tuesday as we publish. Um, it was a great conversation, and so we'll get to that in just a few minutes. But before we do, I have two things uh, that I'd love to get to, Chris. First, uh, how is week one of the programming going uh, for those that are joining us on the Train Heroic app? Um, and Chris is, is doing the workouts a lot uh, himself. How how'd you like your own programming for week one? Yeah, the programming was good. Um, I always enjoy doing stuff that's just not going to leave me feeling like... Uh, I just got hit by Lorenzo. You know what I mean? <laughs> so that's, uh, it, it's always good to feel good about workouts. And, and, and honestly, that's what I need to do anyway, because again, like part of the reason why I want this to be a thing that people use is because uh, as a former college athlete, it's hard to not do the stuff that you did when you were a college athlete. You just go back to the same old stuff you did. Cause that's what you associate working out with. So, you know, for even for me, as somebody who knows better, it, it's hard to stay away from getting under the squat rack and, and throwing some cleans around and lifting heavy and all that other stuff. So, yeah, I mean, making myself stick to this, it's uh, it's you, it's fun, and uh, and I get to see it from the other side too. Like I get to see kind of like what I put my people through. Yeah, definitely. I've started working on uh, the second phase, the second three weeks of programming. So that'll be in a couple weeks. Um, week two is live now, obviously. Uh, it's basically the same workout. We, we adjusted the rep range just to make sure there's a little bit of overload. So just search Train with the Best in the Train Heroic Marketplace. Use the code POD, P-O-D, for 20% off. That's a code just for you for listening to the podcast, P-O-D. Check it out, Train. Uh, I'm probably going to, I think I'm going to do the hundreds tomorrow. I saw that's the workout tomorrow. Uh, so I'm, yep. I'm, I'm going to hop in on, on the linear speed day. I'm due for one of those. So I'm excited to, to hop in and, uh, we're going to virtually race. I got my money on, uh, I got my money on you for the first couple. I think I got you in the last couple. You probably do. Yep. 
That's how it, that's how it usually goes. Um, meanwhile, <laughs> speaking of, of training for ourselves, while you have, have given in to doing things that are good for you, I am, to use a scholarly phrase, back on my bullshit. Uh, I, at 31 years old, have decided that as I've gotten uh, a, a little bit stronger here in the last year and, and gotten my deadlift up, solidly hitting 315 for three to five, I'm like, you know what? I want to hit 405. I want to say at some point in my life that I've done it. Uh, my goal to dunk seems to be less attainable and getting less attainable by the day. Strength is something that I feel like I have a little bit more left in the tank in. So I'm going to squeeze these final years of, of lifting really heavy out of me. And so this is when I come to you and go, hey, how do I do this? How do I really program at this top end of strength? Uh, and I kind of put the things that I know and the things that I think up against what you tell me and uh, double check myself to make sure I'm right. So if you were looking at someone who can solidly do, let's say, uh, 315 for three, but can't get 335 off the ground at all, uh, what, what's that tell you and, and how are you programming for that person, hypothetically speaking? Uh, all right, so let's do the math on 315 for three. So you're projected one RM, 315 divided by three times three divided by 30 divided by 10, 31 plus. Okay, so your projected one RM is 346. That's what we would be your projected one RM based off of doing 315 for three reps. When you're not picking it up off the ground, what do you feel like is the thing that goes? Uh, well, getting it off the ground uh, in general, I will say that I, I know that my core is like my form is not perfect. I, and that is also something that I'm, I'm programming in here. Like I can get my form pretty perfect up in like 275 range, but there I got a little bit of curve in, in my, my lower back that is not like prohibitive. And obviously you never know the, the one rep that's the one that hurts you is the one that you push too far, but it's not like a, whoa, you need to stop right there kind of kind of issue. But it is something that I've noticed when I form check myself on video that I, I need to straighten that out as well. And it's something that I was thinking about factoring into the way I was going to program this. All right. So then you got to force it, right? Like you can, you can just, I would throw like 500, 600 pounds on there, something that you know, you're not going to move and then, and then do the ISOs down there at that range. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so, so you can get that range of motion and then do the ISOs so you can practice good form. You're not going to move the weight, but, but you hold it for like, or not hold it, but, you try to lift it for about five seconds, um, rest for another five seconds and do that, say, you know, five to six reps per set and then, and then rest like two minutes in between because it's going to be a shit ton of muscle activation, you know, holding, holding a rep for five seconds or trying to accelerate something for five seconds and it doesn't move. That's hard to do. Mm -hmm. Um, we do that with squat. We do it with bench and we do it with, obviously we do it with deadlift. So you can do it there. And I would throw it onto like the low handles. I, Wait, let's clarify. Are we talking about straight bar, hex bar, hex bar, high handle? I'm going, yeah, hex hex bar, high handle. Okay, so I would do that from the hex bar, low handle, mm. so that way you get to, you get to feel what it's like below where you're going to lift from, and then take the lift, take the weight that you want to lift. Take your take your 350 and elevate it a little bit, so that way you can get it up off the ground, so you feel what it's like to actually move that weight. It's not at the range of motion that you want to eventually get to, but work your way up. So that way, at least you know what it's like to hold 350 in your hands and then 375 and then 405. So you got to like, you got to get your body uh, to overcome whatever it is that is, is stopping you from, from lifting that weight or moving that weight. 
Definitely. That was, that was one of the things that I was definitely thinking about doing. Um, and there's also just like that much more, I mean, not really more specific to me, but things that I know that like are on the menu for anybody that, that I'm going to work on some of the mobility and things like that. Um, more specific things with my core and where I know some of the weaknesses are relative to what I need to accomplish here that, that are supplemental, but on the deadlift side too, I think getting more volume at at like 80%, you know, one of the things I talk about a lot with my clients when I'm, especially I've had a, a more newer clients recently that I try to talk to them about how to increase their max of what they're capable of is let's train submaximally at 80 90 percent and if we keep going there but never hit 100 where 100 is is still going to rise and so if i can be at that 275 280 285 somewhere in there and hit perfect form for a full five by five getting a little bit more volume getting that repetition at that that higher weight that's going to push up what I'm capable of uh, on the higher end too. So I think that combo of those two things is kind of where my head was at. And it's, it's nice to get that affirmation that uh, ultimately I'm, I'm thinking about some of the right things. So what I would, what I would say is you're, you're kind of right with the volume. Uh, I, I would say if it was almost any other move, you would be dead on with the deadlift. It's just so different because it's not a move that gives you a lot of time under tension. Not the way that you, not the way that you're going to be doing this. You know what I mean? So even if you say, all right, I'm going to go at 80, 85% of one RM and I'm going to boost it up to what? 10 reps, 12 reps. Well, That's no, just so I should, I should clarify. Um, laziness often gets the best of me and it's laziness slash efficiency. I should, I should say like, I haven't been really, really pushing this. I kind of did just make this a goal. So I, I don't even want to say that it's been laziness, but it's, it's one of those things where I'll climb up, you know, I'll get the weight to that three fifteen number. I'll do one set and I'll be like, all right, I'm good. And it's like, all right, instead of doing that, let me do a couple sets at a higher weight. So instead of doing uh, one set I of five, that. one set of five at 275 and calling it a day or three reps at 315 and calling it a day, let me do two or three sets at 315. Let me do five sets at 275 and use my reps more, my, my volume, use it more efficiently at some higher, uh, higher weights and increase volume that way and do more than one I set instead of just doing one or maybe two sets of heavy. I see. So what I will say is there are formulas for this. And this is a formula that I followed with Lorenzo for, for years. And I, I still have it. So let's say, let's, let's just put your projected one RM at 350 pounds, right? That's going to be your one RM. So you got to do a warm up set at half of that. So we're at 175 for a warm up set, another warm up set at, let's say 10% more. So, uh, you're going to be at 210 for your next warm up set, right? And then, and then one warm, one more warm up set of three reps. So the first two warm up sets are going to be five reps, five reps at 175, five reps at 210, and then another, I would say, three reps at 230, right? So that's your warm up. 175 for five, or 210 for five, and then 230 for three. And just so, just so people know, that's 50% of 1RM, 60% of 1RM, and 65% of 1RM, right? Mm-hmm. And then what you're going to do in, in week one, you're going to do three sets after that. So you have your three sets of warm-up, and then after that, in week one, you're going to get five, you're going to get five, five, five plus. So that's going to be at uh, 70, 75, and 80% of 1RM. So your plus set on your last set, 80% of 350, 280. So you got to get 280 for five plus. You should be somewhere around 10 or 12, 
for, for one set. That's fine. Right? So that's week one. Week two, we come in. Now we're going to do our same warm up, right? 5-5-3, five, five, uh, 175, 210, 230. And then you're going to do 3-3-3 three, three, three plus, right? And that's going to be at uh, 75, 80, and 85% of your 1RM, right? So your last set there is going to be, before our last set was at 280, right? Now our last set's going to be right at 300. And that's, that's for a 3 plus, right? And then yep. your last week, your last week, so week three, right? This is just a three-week phase. Now you're going to do the same warm-up, all right? Five, five, and three. Now we're going to do one, one, one plus, and that's going to be at uh, 75, 85, 95% of your 1RM. So 95% of 350 is going to be right at your 315, right around in that area. Actually, less, more than 315. So... Uh, minus 17. So it's going to be right at 330, 335 per se. You got to get that for one plus. That's on week three. So if you're listening to this pod, just rewind it. I just gave you all the numbers while I'm driving. <laughs> so I'm, if my math is wrong. I was going to say, there. this is some real beautiful mind shit that's happening right now. I'm just going to send this to Aguchi and watch his head explode. <laughs> Yeah. Well, Oguchi uses me as his calculator when he doesn't trust his calculator. That's really He's funny. Like, oh, hey, man, I don't know if I typed it wrong. How's your head doing? <laughs> yeah. That's how, that's how it is. That's my, friends, well, my friends will call me, and they'll be, like, late to a meeting, and they'll be like, hey, I'm on 95, and it says I'm 56 miles away, and I got to be there in 45 minutes. How fast do I have to drive? <laughs> like, my friends will call me. <laughs> They're like, do I have to do like 150? And I'm like, no. Like, this is how fast you have to drive and you'll get there in two minutes time. Like, <laughs> two minutes to spare. That's wild. That's... Yeah. But it's uh, it's useful. We just, we just, did, <laughs> we just okay. did a whole deadlift program off the top of your brain while you're rolling down 95. I guess. But so, so that's a, that's a three-week phase. And then yeah. the next week... Week four is an unloaded week, so then you, you go and you do all your supplementary stuff, do your single leg stuff, do all the other stuff, TRX stuff, and then you just repeat it again with your new projected 1RM. Because after after that week three, that one plus at 330 or 335, whatever you decide to use, then you, then you reuse the formula. And the formula is whatever weight that you use times the amount of reps that you were able to get you divide that sum by 30, and then you add in the additional weight. So just to keep the numbers really easy, if you did 350 pounds, you did that three times, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to take 350 times three, which is going to be 1050, right? I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. 1050. And then you divide that by 30, right? Uh-huh. So that ends up being like... 35 right so so now you take that 35 and you add it to your original 350 right and then that's 385 that's your new one project projected one rep max and hopefully uh i i can do all this uh on a calculator if not i'll call you (laughs) right how was the weightlifting part that was that was fine it was the math that's what i was warmed up just trying to do it you know (laughs) 
<laughs> but you know what was fun? Here, here's what was fun for me, and this is, I say it's fun because I'm a fucking dork, right? Like, <laughs> this is when, like, Joel and Chris Wilson and Kendrick, and we had, like, six guys going on at the same time, right? And we didn't use sheets anymore because the guys, like, didn't like using the sheets because they would just go off of everybody else's sheet and not their own. So we mm. got rid of the sheet. And, like, I would have to do these calculations for six different people all at the same time. So that was, like, fun for me. I was like, oh, shit, this is, like, this is like math test for me. No. <laughs> In the middle of the workout. So That's hilarious. Fun. That's great. Um, story time with math Christopher. Um, so that last <laughs> thing to, to wrap up the, the conversation, and then we'll get to our, our chat with Meg, which was terrific. Um, so how does, how does doing that, those lifts mix in with like the, the ISOs and the other stuff that we were talking about, the lower, the low bar ISOs and, and those types of things? Yeah. I mean, that's your main lift, right? So like that, that's going to happen once a week. So if you're going to do that on Monday, then on Thursday, you can come in and you do the other stuff that I was talking about. Right. Makes sense. Makes right. sense. And of course, the other thing to, to remember in all this is you got to round out your program too. You're going to have to do, you know, grip work. You're going to have to do back work. You're going to have to do all these kinds of other things to make sure that the, the weak link isn't there. But obviously, if you're training the movement itself, at some point it becomes practice. Um, and we've talked about that, that concept of how, uh, you know, other countries especially do some of their, their weight training for their power lifters and things like that, how it's treated much more like practice than it is, um, you know, right. hey, I'm trying to lift heavy shit. Um, Honestly, I'm trying to lift heavy shit, but I could probably take the practice approach. Anyway, uh, thank you, sir. That was uh, immense. I'm sure many people will be rewinding many times. Uh, and if you'd like a much less strenuous program for your body and your mind, go to Train Heroic and search Train with the Best. Uh, when we come back, our conversation with Meg Young on the NCAA Women's Tournament and the disaster that was the uh, weight room dumbbell rack. The Train with the Best podcast is brought to you by Super Coffee. And Chris is on the road, as you know, at this point. So it's just me for the ads today. But, but I come armed with fun facts. Fun facts like Super Coffee is going to take 5 million pounds of sugar out of the U.S. diet in 2021. How are they going to do that? They're going to replace their wonderful, ready to drink coffee that is sugar free and has 10 grams of protein and has MCTs from coconut oil, which enhance your brain function and keep you full and do all kinds of other amazing things. They're going to they're gonna take that and people are going to drink it instead of the little bottled Frappuccino. And I'm looking at the official Starbucks website right now. 9.5 fluid ounces, 200 calories, 31 grams of sugar. And that is nothing, my friends, compared to the one you buy in the store. If you go to Starbucks and get a grande whole milk regular frappuccino with the caramel drizzle and the whipped cream and the whole deal. That's 54 grams of sugar. 54. And if that's not enough, I'm not making this up. This is too stupid to make up. They ask when you go to their website if you can use, if, if it's okay if they use cookies, like the website version, not the kind you eat. Then you're like, no, please don't do that. Then they're like, how about a real cookie? And they give you an option to order a chocolate chip cookie now. I was like, no, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to exit out of your website and I'm going to go to drinksupercoffee.com and I'm going to use the code TWTB, TWTB, train with the best, TWTB at checkout. And I'm going to get me some super coffee with zero sugar, not a cookie, delicious coffee with protein for 25% off. That's it. You're going to do that right now. Or if you're an espresso person, try super espresso. They've got K-Cups. 
They've got grounds. They got everything at this point. And if you just happen to be out and about, and you're like, oh man, well, I need this right now. It's available in stores nationwide from Walmart to CVS to Whole Foods to Walgreens. Basically, every store at this point has Super Coffee. So go get you some. Tell, just tell the person at the counter, hey, I listened to the Train With The Best podcast. It's really good. And they told me to get this delicious beverage. It's Super Coffee from Kitsu Life Incorporated, who reminds you that if you can change your energy, you can change the world. As promised, joined now by Meg Young. Uh, and Meg, I actually would love for you to kind of set the stage because I feel like you know the most in terms of the background of what happened. We all saw, and I feel like everybody listening probably saw the image that spread on social media of this one sad dumbbell rack, if you even want to call it that, that looks like it's straight out of a hotel gym. And that was the quote unquote weight room at the women's tournament. Obviously now they, they've changed some things, but um, you have so many friends on the ground there, former coworkers and colleagues and, and people that you've known for a long time. So when you saw it, like when did you become aware of it and how would you describe how or what happened originally uh, at the NCAA tournament in San Antonio? Yeah, I became aware of it um, the first day that teams went into practice and it kind of got sent to me and I was like, what? Like, um, actually what happened first too was the, the men arrived at their training facility first. And I was right. like, wow, that's awesome, right. right? There's this fully designed, laid out within a controlled environment set up for athletes to get the, the player health and welfare and safety that they need from all aspects that they would normally get at their school. Like that's, right. that's great. So inverse of that, I kind of got sent uh, a picture of this dumbbell rack and I was like, what? Like, I thought it was a joke. And then I was like, also probably not a joke because that's what you're used to expecting when you work in women's sports is um, under resourced sometimes. Um, and that's just unfortunately where we are. So anyways, what happened though, is there's this go governing body, the NCAA that runs these championships, right? And there's two committees, one for men's basketball, one for women's basketball. Those are separate. So th there's different people talking here. Um, and I, I would say the first thing is they they came out and said that this is what we got done with in 60 days. And it's like, okay, well, with the men going to ND, and I think it came out that saying their total cost on everything they set up with the convention center in the weight room came at like 7% cost because- Hey, we're in a pandemic and people want sports, right? And it brings in a lot of money to bring in men's basketball, right? Cool. Dope. So no problem. March Madness is great. People are dying for sports to come back. People are dying to have that connectivity to the culture. So in women's basketball, Ali Kushner from Stanford posted the picture of the men's basketball weight room with the women's basketball resource of a weight tree on top of each other and went out on social media. And uh, tagged some other strength coaches. So I'm going to say their names, Jenna Reddy, Molly Benetti, and Zach Zillner. Um, and they're at Wake Forest, South Carolina, and Texas. Okay. And within that, it became like this kind of viral picture because people couldn't believe, even if they don't know sports performance, even if they don't know anything about basketball, they're like, these things are drastically different, right? Like pick out the right. two differences between these pictures. What do you see? Mm -hmm. And, um, I think as a society, we've reached our threshold of what we're okay being tolerant of when it comes to differences for the same, right? So same sport, athletes, college, this is what was given that is assumed to be okay. And so after that, um, 
there were some calls made, right? Because it, it went viral and people were like, this is not okay. This is inequality between men's and women's sports. Like, how is this a thing in 2021? And the action taken was um, there was a call and saying like, hey, what do you guys need? And it was more through administrators and NCAA. And then that list came back and um, what was shown up the next day. And they were like, here's what we did overnight um, was some racks. And oh, by the way, if you're over six feet, the, the rack is shorter than you. So, and there are six foot women's basketball players just to educate. Right. <laughs> wrong, wrong sport to get height, uh, right. height limiting right. stuff, that or volleyball. And I, and I think choices. that the message that we're given a lot within um, NCAA and maybe within women's sport is be happy to be here. Right. Right. So right. Oh, be happy. Look at what we got you. Right. And I'm like, nowhere close. Right. And so this is where it helps if you have context of what it takes to be a a high performance coach and a strength and conditioning coach at a high level of what athlete need is. So that happened. That was the response. And um, then you saw some of these women's basketball coaches and I'll use Dawn Staley as an example, because she was the first come out and say, I can't be silenced about this. I can't, I can't sit here and say this is okay. This is what we've been dealing with, with decades. Like this is not a new issue. Right. Um, but the problem is this is not a new conference. This is not a new sport. The NCAA is about to be in its 115th year of existence as a nonprofit institution and uh, the governing body for player health, safety, and welfare. And you've just defined that there's a difference in between the health player, the player health, safety, and welfare between men's and women's basketball and a competitive championship. And it wasn't just the weight room, right? Mm-hmm. When Gino came out and I think he was the reported person for, hey, the men are getting daily PCR testing and the women are getting antigen screening. Okay, now we're just saying we're providing different levels of safety. That's where if there's a medical director in the NCAA, how is it different between two different uh, championships then? That's what I don't get. And, and it shouldn't come down to a money issue. If we're doing player health and safety, it should be equivalent across the board, regardless of what the sport is, let alone what the gender is. So I think that's where you saw more people just say, okay, like I may not understand weight rooms, right? Like, um, but I understand player safety and COVID. Um, And then back to the weight room, right? One of those solutions that was given is we got more cardio equipment. Okay. Um, (laughs) Don't think so for for people that don't understand the the difference between fitness and like performance training. At this point of the year, these athletes have been competing and a lot of them haven't left campus due to COVID, right? They've right. been training, they've been playing basketball. So when you're in a post um, competition season in that competitive like championship season timeframe, if anything, like the game is what's most important. There's not people overloading cardio right now. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. If, if ever, right. Like look, these athletes are tall power, strength, power athletes, men and women. So you have some issues of them already running on hard surfaces all the time and different constraints there. So not really sure why we thought rowers were a good solution um, as opposed to actually getting in more kettlebells and dumbbells and actual squat racks that would help with the utility of what these players have been using for the past 11 months. Meg, who was a part of that as far as the decision-making of saying, Hey, here's, here, tell us what you need. Who, who were the people that are saying, Hey, here's what we need. Um, you know, like I don't have names over who those people are, but the conversation typically like when you're on the committee, there's a conference committee that includes some administrators of schools. But right. then also, I think with this specific institution or uh, situation, they reached out to a lot of 
the school's administrators that were there on the ground. And those administrators then asked their strength coaches or asked their athletic trainers. And that's part of the problem. Now we're playing a game of telephone right. over what we need versus getting what is actually needed. Right. So it, it speaks to a bigger issue of um, why not give the seat at the table for these performance coaches to just say what they need directly and make it happen right. instead of at certain points, right? It, the, the leadership in the pecking order doesn't make sense when the system's broken, Correct. right? Yeah. So maybe, maybe just ask the direct question and get the direct answer instead of saying we took the right steps. Yeah. And you also have these companies, some of whom certainly were well-meaning, but like when Orange Theory is, is stepping up and like, great, I, I understand that you want to help or you claim that you want to help and you want the PR, but like, this ain't your lane. You're offering your water rowers, but that's not really what we need right now. And when you're, you're basically crowdsourcing high-level competitive strength training, this is what you're going to get. And, and whether it's via telephone or whether these outside organizations who, again, if we, if we go their best intentions, uh, they're trying to help, this is the result you're going to get as opposed to, as you said, just asking the experts in the first place and making sure that the athletes are prepared in the way they need to be. And then also too, right? Like know that we're one of the most adaptive professions in the world. Right. <laughs> we're used to working with, hey, here's expectation. Here's what's given. All right. That's still an opportunity. I'm going right. to use it to make a competitive advantage for my players. No problem. I will solve this, right? Like I'm in the business of problem solving and working on the fly. I got right. it, right? But it's the years of experience and education that makes a coach able to do that. They're not just making up a workout to make up a workout. It's the 15 years of backlog experience and education that goes into being able to make a 15-minute pivot. Um, and then also, just to speak to the company thing, no issue in companies, right? Like whether they're being opportunistic or not in that moment, no blame they're giving. Yeah. But right. there's plenty There's plenty of strength companies like, like the one that you used with the men, right? Maybe actually deal with some equipment companies. And guess what? Like I got hit up and I'm not even there, right? Like... Who do we need to talk to? Ready to ship, right? right? Ready to ship. And it's like, they're okay with, oh, who showed up and gave us a solution instead of us demanding a solution, right? Like, right. that's mm -hmm. the difference. I'm like, why are you using outside to determine inside? Right. Use the people that are there and use and get them what they need. And even if it comes at a cost, because it should have yeah. come at a cost anyways. Right. right. I think, I think you like, you, you hit the nail on the head earlier when you said, hey, like, the women are often told, hey, just be happy with what you got. Like, hey, look, we got these awesome sponsors and Orange Theory wants to help. So be happy that Orange Theory wants to help. But yeah, okay, like, thank you. Thank you for the offer. But that's and not what we need. Like, we need, why didn't Sorenex step up? Or And maybe they did. Maybe Sorenex did. I don't, I don't know if they did or if they did. Right, but even right? like what Meg is saying, right? If they're yeah. ready to ship, we didn't tell you what to ship. How yeah. are you ready and to they ship? didn't give you a contact. They didn't give you a contact and say it was okay to, right? Like it doesn't matter which companies it was, right? Like right. or or wasn't. It was companies are just people. Right. And people solve problems. There's an institution that created a problem with the people it had in leadership to assume that what was given was acceptable. That was the problem. Now you have people in positions that that's their job and they're not getting the platform to actually say, hey, you know what? Instead of I need you to not say anything else and just be happy, you know, to be here. And right you know, now let's post pictures of working out. And um, you had coaches saying like, uh, I saw one coach, sport coach say work is work. Work is not work, right? Not all work is equal. Some work is great. Some work is planned. Some work is prepared. Some work is detailed. Like, um, and, and if that's how coaches think, like, then 
I would, I'd love to be involved in their tactical periodization of what their practices are because all work is not work. <laughs> right, right. And, go, and, it, and you, you also talked about kind of the adaptability of our job because, yes, the, I am fully confident that somebody like you and a lot of the great strength and conditioning coaches and performance coaches that are working at these universities with these incredible women at this level – they're going to adapt, like they're going to find ways and, and, you know, but it is, it's unfortunate that they're being asked to adapt because at this, this level, at this time, they shouldn't have to. And this is not a new thing, right? Like, right. Um, and so here's like an analogy I gave and with, let's say as a performance coach on uh, the men's side with basketball, like my expectation was like a four of what would be given or provided or whatever. And what I was given was an eight. Right. Awesome. Great. Good on them. You can do your job. You can prepare. Check right. another box of something you don't have to struggle with or adapt on the fly. Right. With the women, you know, like I'd say my expectation as a coach that's been there, right, is probably a two or a three. And maybe I'm bringing some extra stuff with me to prepare because right. I know it's yeah. not going to be good enough. But what was given was like a negative. <laughs> negative. Right. Right. So and, and now I would say that it's at a one. And, and I think that that's the conversation is don't, don't be happy to be here and, and support when you're, you're preaching, like we take care of your players, we take care of your athletes, like from a, from a college perspective, from a coaching perspective, from a staff perspective, and you look at what these schools have when they're at their school, they should be provided something equivalent when they're competing for a championship that they've worked over a year for because they didn't have the opportunity last year. Train with the Best podcast is quite literally brought to you by Momentus because I just got done with the workout and that included riding my bike home and I was a non-functional human about four minutes before recording this ad. Popped my Momentus strength recovery protein, feel like an entirely new human. Now, some of that is just some blood sugar issues, but it, I, I can honestly say that there's nothing I look forward to after a workout more than my Momentus shakes, which we always talk on these ads about the high quality products. And yeah, they're NSF certified for sport. And by the way, if you don't have Momentus and all of a sudden you're trying to find something else that's NSF certified for sport, good luck. That really means something. They, they put themselves through a rigorous testing process. And I know this because I ran out last week and I was at my girlfriend's apartment and all my protein was at my house and I went to Whole Foods and tried to find some NSF certified stuff and I was like literally on the floor crawling around Whole Foods. Okay, maybe I wasn't crawling. That, I'm not even going to exaggerate the story because I was down on my hands and knees looking at like the bottom shelf, trying to tiptoe up to the top. None of them were NSF certified. So I just settled for something else and I was like, all right, well, I hope, I hope this doesn't have something terrible in it. Uh, but then... I came back, I got some more protein, I'm restocked, it's all good. And the point was that I'm not going to talk about all the high-quality products and how the absorption is better and all that kind of stuff. It just tastes good. And that's also something that's really hard to find in protein. And especially, although I typically have whey, especially after workouts, plant proteins taste terrible, except for Momentus. Their plant proteins taste amazing. So whether you're in it for the taste, whether you're in it for the quality of the product, in it for the gains because a higher quality product is going to lead to better results. There's only one choice, momentous. And especially when you can get it at 25% 
off your first order and 15% off every order after that. All you got to do is go use the code TRAINWITHTHEBEST25 at checkout on your subscription order, TRAINWITHTHEBEST25 at livemomentous.com. Because if you're going to train with the best, you better recover with the best, and especially since it tastes good. And that's why we choose Momentous. Of course, to solve this is going to be that systemic level change. And I'm curious with your friends on the ground there and maybe even yourself being involved in some of these conversations with with your stature in, in the industry. Is that something that's even being addressed right now, or is that just going to have to wait till after the tournament? Because you know, we talked about whether or not we we would invite um, some of these coaches on to to give a firsthand account, and it's something we hope to do down the line. But you know, Meg, you made a great point. They got games they got to play. Like we're all focused on this on the outside, and we should so we keep the spotlight on it and eventually drive this change. But like they st- just because the NCA fucked it up doesn't mean that the game gets moved on Tuesday, and so they've got to stay on schedule and, and make the best they can. So how are they handling trying to? to make sure that this doesn't get put on the back burner forever while managing the tasks they have at hand right now and, and all that's going to come with the eventual hopeful long-term change. I think that's what's great about sports, right? Sport is equivalent to life and the lessons it teaches, right? You're going to have things that pop up in life, adversity, struggles that come along your way that are things you either deal with, deny, or deflect, right? And great players, great coaches, great staffs, great women, um, they'll deal with it. And that's what you see right now, right? Like, right. And I'm, I'm checking the scores as I'm sitting here. So let's go, um, <laughs> you know, and, and it's, it's just like one of those things, like, I'm not surprised that emo- amazing coaches are still amazing coaches. What I'm proud of is that they actually felt they could speak up or mm-hmm. not even that they felt they could, right? Because there's been backlash, I'm sure, and different levels of like, you know, let's, let's make it okay, right? We, you know, whatever. But they, they said this issue is too important. And the difference, right, is, is you guys know this. Uh, if something happens within professional sports, pro athletes have their platform. Right. And they go to bat and th- they'll make the change. That's right. My job's easy, right? Like support these players, support the club. It created a competitive advantage. Stay on top of P's and Q's. Cool. Something goes down, like the players, either through their players association and through their individual platforms, will have a collective response right in college it's like individual response by individual institutions individual coaches maybe athletes are silenced maybe they're not maybe they feel empowered to be like that's the bigger problem is like we are dealing with minors in some cases but also just young adults that are deciding what their platforms are and also don't want to hurt their own potential careers and sustainability with an institution and coaches that don't want to hurt their and I'll just say this, uh, lower than return on investment valued positions, right? Like, yeah. so now they're in that position. So that's why I'm like, I'm happy to be in the position I am outside the situation, but having lived in it for so long mm-hmm. to say like, okay, I'm, I'm not surprised. Right. I'm always impressed with how flexible we are and how uh, adaptable the athlete is as a situation when they have a good um, support system around them, right? But aren't we tired of that? Like, aren't we tired of um, that being the stressor on the athlete? Like, why aren't they able to just focus on uh, the game, right? Why, why are we having to make it an issue? So I'm proud of these, these sport coaches and these performance coaches that are like, no, we're, it's, it's reached the threshold. Here we go. Yeah. 
I am curious too, um, what your experience has been on the professional level. And obviously I got to see a little bit of it, uh, when we were out in Utah last year with the challenge cup. So you, you set up this tournament out there, um, and you have access to a couple of different things. I think you posted about this this week, right? Kind of the experience out there. I'm not making that up. Um, you know, and there was a hotel gym and a hotel pool that, that allowed for uh, a limited amount of stuff, obviously, but there was also the, the full, facility, um, at the practice facility, like the full weight room that, that could be signed up for and access to. And, um, that was also still admittedly during a time of COVID where we still were figuring some things out. So I, you know, the scheduling was all over the place. And part of that was like health and safety. (laughs) Yeah. Some of that was just like health and safety. We really were doing the, our best we could, but like, we know so much more about COVID now than we did seven months ago. And it's hard to kind of, uh, you know, it's hard to remember that, like that exact moment of where we were too, but in general, whether it's the challenge cup and anything you want to hit on there or your experience working with, with red stars, like what has your experience been at the professional level versus a men's professional strength coach. And we'll even put it just American soccer to American soccer. I'll I'll even say MLS. Nevertheless, some of the billion dollar clubs you see overseas uh, in the EPL, you know, Bundesliga, et cetera, because the budgets are just different. And that, that also is like a reality that's going to come into place or come into play. So one thing I wanted to speak on is um, college sports and the the NCAA has been around 114 years. Mm -hmm. Okay. How long has the NWSL been around? Right. Uh, 2013. So this is year eight. So there are, there are grow growth resource opportunities that are happening. And, you know, within the MLS, they're probably now at a full structured team scale. Mm -hmm. And so from there, you're, you're seeing the resources build on that. So part of this is growth structure, Mm -hmm. right? And when you go to scale things, there are going to be certain things that take longer than others. Right. Um, and, so what I, instead of saying like, what do or don't I have, it's like, where were we before I even got here? And um, I'll be honest, part of the reason I took this job is like, okay, I see the need here and I know I can fill a gap. Right. Mm-hmm. And so when you take jobs over that, you're like, okay, I, I have to take this role and I, I want to grow this. And I'm fortunate to work with some of the best players in the world. So it was more of a calling to support them in this club then, oh, is it the right fit? Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. And within the WCL, like you got to remember, that was the first um, professional sport back to play in the United States. So to your point of, we only knew what we knew. So the medical task force and like what they talked about at COVID, yeah, that's all reality. Like, And could things have been better in certain instances? Yep. But do the players talk about that and bring up those issues and create change at a rapid scale? Yep. Yeah, and, that, and that's what having a players association and having players in positions of power does. That doesn't exist within the college model, right? So those are just different models and different realities. Um, and yeah, I wish that we could have been on a resort like the NBA bubble or the WNBA bubble, but also how long have those organizations been around? What's their, right. what's their revenue generation versus a growing league? So the, that's just the reality of where we are. And I love where we are. And I love that we're growing into something great and we're adding in more teams in a, in a pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. right? So the growth expansion of the league is still in a really good place. And you can look at Chicago's added more owners this year and, and more to help back the club. So like, let's keep that going. Let's not make the conversation about where it is. Let's make the conversation about where it's going. Hey, you want to know another amazing way you can support women's sports? 
consume the media coverage of them. And we're happy to help in that cause here at Train with the Best Media. You guys know that I used to work for the Washington Spirit. We started a podcast. I went to work for them. Now that I'm not working for them anymore, we're still doing the podcast. And this week, we have an incredible episode. Last week, we had Tori Huster and Bailey Feist from Training Camp in Florida. This week, Ashley Hatch and Tegan McGrady, one of the best forwards you might not know in the NWSL and one of the best up-and-coming defenders who, if she can stay healthy this year, I'm telling you, Tegan McGrady, that is a name you should watch out for, not just in the NWSL, but for the future of the U.S. women's national team. It's an awesome episode. Excited for you guys to hear it. It comes out Thursday. Anywhere you find this podcast, you can find that one. Just search Catch the Spirit from Train with the Best Media and the Washington Spirit. Now back to our conversation with Meg. The last thing that, that I'd love to just touch on real quick, and we've all had experiences with, with female athletes. Most of mine have been as a reporter, obviously, over the years. Chris is an independent trainer. Meg, you've been you know attached to both college and now a professional team. So we've all seen the evolution of the female athlete. I don't mean like getting more athletic. They've always been incredible, but really the voice that they've had and their willingness to express that, not just amongst each other and in trusted confidants, but publicly. So I would love for both of you guys to talk about what you've seen of the athletes advocating from their for themselves, not just at the pro level, like you just talked about, Meg, with like the NWSLPA, for instance, or the NWAPA, but also we saw one another one of the videos that went viral on top of Allie's as a coach was a player who was like, oh, you say you don't have the space? We got the space. So what have you seen from, and, and what would you attribute to um, athletes being more outspoken for their own causes and how that has positively affected progress and change? Yeah, part of that is like, the good and bad that of social media, right? Like right. everyone has a phone, so everybody has a platform. Like that's right. part of it. And in this instance, it was used to, hey, like I'm going to post this. And whether the athlete had much forethought into what was going to come her way because of it or not, like, cool, you know, like, and also you got to remember too, right? That we're in the age of opportunity. And when people see an opportunity to either expose something for the truth that's being hidden or to elevate themselves, like that's going to happen. And in this case, it's, hey, this is what's being said. Let, let's show that reality. And then, you know, like, I think that there was a, a ESPN snippet by Holly Rowe to show like, hey, this space is actually for um, pre-warm-up activities and to create space for them and blah, blah, blah. And that's great. And that's all true. And it's like, okay, at the end of the day, there's still an issue to think that teams weren't going to need a weight room for two for through the first two rounds and then would be given a weight room and what would exist in that weight room and is it true what you were saying was going to exist now we can't we can't go and say oh yeah that you were going to provide all these things but the assumption that you made that was incorrect was we should wait and then your response was not only lackluster but not an apology right like mm-hmm. so i think that that's kind of the thing so but with the specific players that speak up, it's like, that's a, that's also the age of the culture we're into, right? Is see, see something, say something, which is a compliance slogan. So, you know, like it goes both ways. You can't demand it of people and then not demand it of yourselves. Yeah. I mean, for, for me, uh, like when I was working with Washington spirit, it was very early on in the NWSL days. I mean, this was year one, two, and three of, of the league of a brand new league that was just trying to get its feet off of the ground. And, you know, with players who, who really, you know, Megan, you touched on all of this when you were talking earlier, like you have 
a league and, and sometimes you, you see in women's sports, it's like, Hey, let's just take what they give us. And it's like, no, like let's, let's demand and say, this is what we need and this is what we want. And, and let's find a way to get it instead of just taking what's given to us. Right. And then you also, what I'll use Crystal Dunn, who is a good friend and has been on this podcast before. Like I've watched Crystal Dunn go from this person who didn't want to say anything because her job wasn't secure. She came back from Chelsea because she didn't want to ruffle any feathers and, and jeopardize her spot on the national team when she she had an opportunity to play in the Champions League over in England. She was like, no, I got to go back because NC Courage preseason starts and I, I got to be there for that. And it's like, I don't want to ruffle feathers because I'm not Alex Morgan. So my, my spot on the team isn't guaranteed. And now she's kind of embraced her role in speaking up and, and you know, being a voice. And, and it's something that I think a lot of the players, especially in the NWSL, have become more comfortable with, and that's a good thing, is that, no, they don't just have to sit here and be afraid to to bite the hand that feeds them. Like They can speak up for the things that they see that are wrong. And when you see something like this, like the the, the photo that, that Megan has been talking about on Twitter, I mean, that's just clearly wrong. We just got to fix it, and, and we got to make sure that it, this is not something that you just get bullied into because it's a response on social media, but this is something that you actually fix so that this doesn't happen again because they do deserve more. And it's not, it's not even like a question. It's not something that we have to argue about. And it's just something that you got to fix and you got to make it right. And I think it comes down to like who you align with. Right. Like, so for me, one of the things that definitely helped me feel more empowered and not just called to speak on it was when I put that tweet out, one of the first people to like it was our owner. And I was like, mm-hmm. all right, cool. <laughs> like, yeah, good. Shit. I know where I stand, right. yeah. you know? So I, I think it, it's important to remember that like, we're st- we're talking about big picture systems and governing bodies and institutions. And then the day it comes down to people like you were, you were speaking about crystal, but it comes down to individual people making decisions to increase the standard. Right. Yep. And, you know, there are definitely things that, you know, I wish I had, but it doesn't change the standard of what the minimum is, right? The standard is the standard, right? And that's also the floor, not the ceiling. Mm-hmm. And I think right. there's a misappropriation of funds and to talk about what the women deserve as a floor within the NCAA. Without question. At, at this specific championship, right? And um, so we can sit here and like point fingers and blame and blah, blah, blah. But what I'd rather the conversation be around is, what are the solutions to help within the right. specific situation? Right. And um, I think we're doing it right here and yeah. you have to have more conversations like this. Um, not where you're just pointing out what the problems are, but saying like, what do we do to create effective change? Right. And this is the same conversations that are being happening in multiple levels within our society to create change. Um, and within sport, it's like, how do you use, opportunity within leadership to create change so like that's my big question right now is what is the leadership change and what is the opportunity to represent performance coaches within college um, at a higher level so that their voice is heard and not just um, passed along right like there's a difference speaking and there's a difference having been spoken for Um, and I I think that this highlights that there must be a need for someone to speak for that instead of just that information passed along. For sure. I saw a great, I don't know, it was a tweet, Instagram post, something the other day that I think is a good summary of all of this. And this cuts across any kind of marginalized community. But for years, people have been like, oh, well, they're equal. You know, women are equal. 
you know, black people are equal. Any, any way, LGBTQ, they're equal. They're people, right? All we did was listen. Those of us that are actually trying to push for the equality, we're just holding you to the standard that you've already set. And I think that's a, a, it was a great short summation that popped into my head, Meg, of, of exactly what you're talking about. You have these institutions that have said, oh, this is the standard. And then all we're really doing is holding the people that make up those institutions to the very standard that they've set. Would love to reconvene in, in a month or so with some of your colleagues and former colleagues who are on the ground there in San Antonio and uh, maybe elsewhere throughout women's college athletics and, and talk about solutions um, and let them talk about what they need. Because um, it's certainly a, the, the kind of place that we hope to provide a platform to do that. And uh, Meg, certainly appreciate your time in, in this initial conversation and, and much more to come. Yeah. And I just want to finish with like, we should be proud and supporting those coaches that are there that are continuing to speak this conversation. And we also should be watching women's sports and supporting women's sports. Like people want to know like, Oh, well, how do I do this? It's like watch a women's game, support Mm -hmm. a women's team, buy season tickets, know who their players are, support them as people in their platforms as well. That's how you elevate the conversation is make it more relevant by putting more people around it. For sure. Yeah. I would, you know what? I would love to, I would love to see that. I would love to see women's sports treated like men's sports Mm -hmm. Specifically, in in this, in the terms of, and I know we're, I know we gotta get off here, but like, what why why don't we gamble on women's sports the way that we gamble on men's sports? Because let's just be honest, that's a huge revenue driver for men's sports, and like you don't see people like, oh, I, I'm doing a, a three game parlay in the women's tournament, like it's all these parlays going on in men's. Like, I I honestly like this is one of the the discrepancies that I see when we say like, hey, like like. We want to we want to preach like sunshine and rainbows and unicorns when we're when we're when we're marketing women's sports. But like when we market it men, it's like, OK, let's go get a beer and, and gamble on this game. Right. Like, why don't we do that for the women? Like, we can drink a beer and bet on the women's game, too. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. And by the way, yeah. when we do, it's like the Women's World Cup and the ratings are higher than the men. Yeah. But also too, right. You got <laughs> One thing is for those college coaches, here's your NCA compliance spit. Do not gamble or bet on women's well, sports or men's sports. Well, this is this is yeah, obviously this isn't for the NCAA yeah, coaches. Yeah. Like this is more for like as a fan, if you want to support totally. right? For sure. And for then sure. for me, it's like I don't even know what a parlay means. So like good job, right? Like yeah. great job I mean, on we, compliance, Meg. You nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> I nailed that talk. Yeah, sign me off for another year. But no, the, the I think that that brings up a great point chris of something people don't talk about is that's how you get engaged with something and excited about it is you want to follow it when you have something on the line for it too right like shoot that's why people care about sports in general is they feel connected to something to a rivalry to uh, a thread to a coach to a player their stories of struggle and adversity and all these things in sports so we fall in love with it right it and then or we fall in love with the money from it right if you're Mm -hmm. good at gambling i don't I don't even know what relative I mean. Being more than emotionally invested is a hell of a way to follow sports. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I just want to say thanks for um, putting me on to kind of continue this conversation. And I think one of the things that knowing both of you is continue amplifying the truths of women within sport. And that that's the world we work in. So that's why I'm comfortable speaking about it. But the more you continue to elevate and amplify those conversations, you're part of the, of the solution. Well, I'm, I'm glad that we can have somebody like you on here to, to speak your truth and, and to amplify your truth. And, you know, whoever's listening to this, I know that they got some great content just listening to you and, and they got a little bit smarter and they got maybe uh, a little bit more of a glimpse of what it's like working in 
uh, you know, the women's sports world and, and, uh, and sadly what we've come to expect and still not be even given what we expect. Um, so thank you for taking the time out to speak with us. I appreciate it, fellas. Go Red Stars. <laughs> the NCAA Women's Basketball Tournament is on the ESPN family of networks. Watch it. It's great hoop. Why would you not? Go do that. Spend some time tonight in front of your television and watch the NCAA Women's Tournament. Read the coverage of it. Great writers covering this tournament as well, telling some awesome stories. ESPN, ESPNW.com, New York Times, The Athletic, just to name a few who are providing sensational coverage. Follow Meg on Instagram at Coach underscore Meg Strong. I'm at Craig underscore Hoffman. Chris is at Trainer Gores. By the train heroic programming too. We see you out there. Excited to sweat with you. And we'll see you back here next time on the Train with the Best Podcast.